This is Issues 2024. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita City Council Member Becky Tuttle. Welcome to Issues 2024. Thank Nathaniel. you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm very excited to be here. You represent District 2. I do. What area does that encompass? It's the northeast portion of our community. So um, share neighbors with Bel Air and with Andover, go a little bit past Kellogg, um, but then Woodlawn is the dividing line between Council Member Johnson and District 1 and me. So do you, uh, did you first come to the council then in 2019? Is that right? I did. I was appointed to fulfill the last year of a term when County Commissioner, now Pete Meitzner, was going to, he was elected in 2018 to go to the County Commission. And so then that January, the mayor and city council appointed me to start. Mm-hmm. So January 8th of 2019. So mm-hmm. I've been doing it five years and still learning every day. It- and you were reelected then in November? I was reelected in November of 2019 and just this past November. So when do you when does this term limit to run up on you then? So this is my last this term. This is your last yep. term. I can even though I fulfilled the first year of an unexpired term, I could still run for two more terms. So Now what did, what did you do before you were elected to the council? That's a great question. I moved to the state about 22 years ago and my background was in mental health and substance abuse counseling especially for adolescents and also public health. And so when I first moved to Kansas, I worked at the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. I worked at the Sedgwick County Health Department. But right before I got appointed, I was at the Greater Wichita YMCA, and I was the executive director of community development. So I tell people all things not swim and gym within our great YMCA system. So all of our urban outreach programs, community programs, things like that. So why did you decide to get involved in local government then? Well, I was very involved in the community and helped to lead initiatives with my my colleagues on issues that mattered to me, such as clean indoor air, physical activity, and healthy eating. And I was asked then by Pete Meitzner, who was the city council member, to serve on his district advisory board. Every city council member has an 11-member advisory board, and our ordinance, things go through that advisory board, such as zoning and budget and different things. And so I was really involved and active. And when Pete Meitzner told me that, you know, he was going to run for county commission, he recommended if he won that I try and seek appointment. And I was very surprised. It was something that I had absolutely never thought of. I was a servant leader, but you know, in the community, but never really thought about being an elected official. And so I, I did a lot of talking with people. I did asked a lot of questions. I asked current electeds. I asked former electeds. I asked community stakeholders. And everyone really encouraged me to, to take this path. So. so you're one of those people who does a lot of research then? I do a lot of research. You said you were from Iowa? Is I right? am. I'm originally from Iowa. I was born and raised in a small town where my mom still lives. Um, and I tell it. I grew up in a very hardworking, middle-class family. We had everything that we needed and some of what we wanted. Some of it, yeah. Yep. What's a, what's the town's name? You can... Lamar's, Iowa. It's 30 minutes north of Sioux City, so it's about an eight-hour drive that I still make a couple times a month to go see my mom. Well, good for you. Yeah. So we have a new mayor. Uh, what does that mean to City Hall? Um, you know, we have a new mayor, and we also have two new city council right, members. Right. And so the staff, our awesome city staff, has been doing a great job during the last couple months since the election of, we call it onboarding, orientation, you know, just helping them to get some of the basics to be able to get started. And then also the current city council, um, I was elected and in, in the incumbent, and then um, there are three other council members, council member Holheisel, council member Johnson, and council member Ballard. And we're doing everything we can, answering all the questions, you know, just 
trying to give them advice um, and, and just help them so that they can be successful. At this year's first uh, city council meeting, the discussion turned to campaign financing. Yes, it went back to that. Um, that was a discussion that we had on January 2nd. And then council member Glasscock asked at the council meeting on Tuesday if we could revisit it next week. Where do you stand on that? I am supportive of letting LLCs have a part in our election. I feel that businesses are stakeholders in this community, and I feel that they should have a voice. They pay property tax, they pay sales tax, and so I voted the first time against limiting them, and so um, I'll anticipate a robust discussion again on Tuesday. What's the dollar limit? $500 per entity. So a business. A business or individual. Or individual is 500 500 And I believe that it was said that uh, that is kind of what the, the entire state does. That's the state cities. law. That, so that's the other thing is I said during my comments on January 2nd that we have state law and we also have an ethics policy for city council and mayor. And so if anyone feels that an elected official has had undue influence based on a campaign contribution, there are mechanisms already in place, guardrails already in place to address that. So I was not in favor of adding another layer of government. What you uh, forgive me, but I don't I don't know the the law, but uh, are the are your contributors? Do they have to? Do you have to tell who they are? Yes, absolutely. That's so a matter of record that we yes, can find. Yes, several somewhere. times during the year, we have to file a campaign finance report, and you have to list every single dollar that you have received for your campaign, as well as every single dollar that you've spent for your campaign. And then, if you go to the Sedgwick County website under the election office, those are all there. Very good. Very good. Uh, now, uh, you were elected, I guess, just in time for the COVID pandemic. Uh, yes, I had served. That... A, I was served on council for a year, and then um, right at, in the start of 2020, we were in Washington D.C. for the National League of Cities conference, and then also to do hill visits to um, help you know, inform Senator Murray and Senator Marshall and Congressman Estes of our legislative agenda. And while we are at the conference is when people started talking about COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, uh, I, I, I know what had happened and I know how things transpired, but if, I'm going to ask you a personal question. Sure. How'd that impact you? you As know, a person, I know, I can tell you, a lot of people had some severe depression about the whole thing. Yeah. I, I said several times during COVID that, it will change our our world really in ways beyond just the actual pandemic, the illness. Um, I know people who started drinking more, started drugging more, they felt isolation. People lost a lot of weight, people gained a lot of weight. Um, People all dealt with it differently. One thing that I was very happy with and and glad to see is people became more self-aware um, people were very kind to each other, and so I hope that you know that's a trend that will continue. We learned a lot about technology, whether you wanted to or not, and how people <laughs> work. So that was something that certainly it continues to have an impact on our society. We lost a lot of nurses. Yeah, we lost a lot of uh, healthcare providers, yeah. but it also impacted me personally because my mom, as I mentioned, is in a nursing home, and so for over a year I could not see my mom. I could only see her through a glass window, and I'll never forget the first time that I got to hug her after so long and my mom was very sick she was um, she actually was in ICU for a few days because she caught COVID and she has compromised health and so I couldn't even be by her bedside during that time yeah that's tough that was very tough how did the federal response help the city 
They um, pumped, the, pumped a few mil in here. Yeah, right? we did. We received $74 million in the American Rescue Plan Act funding. And, and one of the things that I've said consistently from the bench, how the mayor and city council and with staff decided to allocate the, those funds is one of the things that I'm most proud of. We focused on, of course, everything that we needed within our own you know, government system, but then we supported small businesses, we supported workforce development, we allocated some to address food insecurity and food deserts, we allocated some for housing and the homelessness I- issue that we have, and so I, I'm very proud that we worked together to spend those dollars as effectively and efficiently as we could. You, you brushed on this a while ago, but I think it's, it's interesting. That I'd like to have you, if you could, elaborate a little bit on advisory advisory boards sure there's uh, multiple advisory boards within the city if you go to the city website it's wichita.gov and you click under government and then you scroll down and there's um, I think it's called like citizen advisory boards but they you know we have a library board we have our district advisory boards that I mentioned we have park board we have transit board bike pad advisory board wow. and we have to make all of those appointments and so we're always looking for people who are interested in the community to come and, and apply so that you know we can then each council member can chat with them and then um, you know if it's a good fit to appoint them but it really is a great opportunity for community members to get involved but I lean in to my appointees, and I want to get their take on things. Do they ever come up with a good idea? Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) especially my district advisory board members. And my library board appointee is fantastic. So if I need something, they're a great sounding board for me. Council has passed what I would call, I guess, a landlord ordinance. Tell us about that, about renters and sure. What's, what's we going passed a couple of weeks ago a retaliatory landlord ordinance, and I think the name is a little bit different than that. But in essence, what what a couple council members had seen a trend is if a landlord, excuse me, if a tenant complained about their living conditions, maybe they had mold or pest, you know, infestation, and they complained about it, then they got evicted. And so there are some guardrails. You know, if somebody's not paying their rent, of course, they can still be evicted. All of those kind of things. Basically, what this is, is it's the state law that already exists, but we just put some punitive action, if you will. Mm. So there's actually some fining mechanism if a landlord evicts someone in a retaliatory retaliatory manner. Yeah, but there's two sides. Yes, there's always two sides to every story. And that's part of the ordinance, too. Again, there's a process that... Um, you know, each each the tenant and the landlord gets to have their side heard of the situation. I've often thought about being a landlord. I would like to r- collect the rent, but I wouldn't like to have any people there. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. When they call you in the middle of the night because something's leaking, right. you don't well, want to be there. I've been a renter, and I know what that's like. Well, and, but once in a while, my husband and I do joke that we would like to be renters again so that when something goes wrong with our home, we can just call someone instead of taking care of there it ourselves, right? There you go. The land, yeah. yeah. Homeownership. Homeownership. You're listening to uh, Issues 2024 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Wichita City Council Member Becky Tuttle. Tell us about the new downtown parking plan. So one one of the things that I've been trying to clarify with community members when they've had con- concerns is that the city really isn't making any kind of profit off of this, as some people have said. The funds will be used to maintain our infrastructure. And also we're putting in, we're modernizing our parking meter system, if you will. So it's not coin operated. There'll be an app, there'll be other ways to pay. Um, you know, now we've heard of people who have to run out in the middle of a show or the middle of a meeting to put money in the co- in the operator. They don't have money. 
coins. And, and so we're just really modernizing what most cities our size within this region already have. And, and so the community can rest assured that we're not doing it to gain money. The money that is, is you know, collected will then be utilized to make sure that our parking structures and our parking lots are, are maintained. It seems to me that since the, the, the pandemic, there haven't been as nearly as many downtown shows and, you know, and trade shows and things like that. I think that we're starting to see an uptick in those. Back? Yeah, it seems like it's coming back. I would agree for a while, you know, people kind of got out of the routine of having some of our annual events, but I'm seeing them come back and, and, and I really am glad for that. It's an opportunity for our community to come together um, for, you know, different, like I know there was this weekend is the bridal show at Century mm-hmm. too. And so glad that people can get together. It's going to be very cold for them to come out, but glad for them to be able to, to get back downtown and to, you know, learn a little bit more about topics they're interested in. Right. So in your mind, what is the most important issue facing Wichita as we begin this new year? Wow. Um, I tell people, I'm asked that a lot, and I always say it depends on the day. So today, because we have bitterly cold temperatures that are only going to get even worse over the weekend, homelessness is one of the issues that I'm, I'm very interested in. I tell people I want to be a thought leader. I want to talk with other communities who are addressing this well. I want to talk, to, of course, with my electeds at the city, but then us at the county. We have established a homelessness task force that has local government, but then also the actual providers for homelessness shelters at the table, as well as non-for-profit and for-profit entities. Because we have to look at this from every different angle. But this weekend, homelessness is does certainly every, something on my heart. every city have this this going on? Yeah, most cities do, um, especially the larger your city gets. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. More rural communities in western Kansas, we are told they don't have as many of the resources that we have. So if they have people who are homeless, they often migrate to larger cities like Wichita where services are available. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are some people who... They say, I don't need any help. Leave me alone. You yeah. Know? You know, there are, and, and I just spoke with a, a high school class about this the other day, and they asked some of those same questions. And there are a few people who this is the lifestyle that they choose. But most people who are homeless are truly victims. They're victims of mental health and substance abuse. They're victims of domestic violence, and they fled. They're victims of child abuse, and they fled. They're victims of human trafficking, and they fled. Um, they're veterans who are suffering from PTSD or different or different you know ailments. So very few people who are actually homeless just choose the lifestyle. Seems like there was a time just a couple of years ago when there we had a lot of children among the homeless. Is that still a big problem? You know, I haven't heard of that as yeah. the problem. Um, and we have approximately 700 people that we have identified as is homeless. That what it is? You think? Yeah. So, and January 25th is when we do the next point in time count, where, and I've done this for years, even before I was on council, and I'll do it again this year. We go out at five o'clock in the morning, and we all have different corridors, and we literally find people who are homeless and then if they'll let us we ask them questions Mm -hmm. you know have you been diagnosed with mental health or substance abuse do you have a place you could go and you're just choosing not to do you know where the shelters are all those different kind of questions and then that data is gathered and that's how the homelessness task force will continue to make recommendations on what we can do we have a mental health uh, what they call it the psych hospital Coming in from the, the state, state, the state psychiatric uh, what hospital. What impact is it going to have? Is it going to have? I mean, 
50 beds or whatever doesn't seem like that much yeah it's that. it's and and the but one really it might and, be the right 50 beds. right and <laughs> and the county is responsible for this yes. but i've been working with them and i went to the meeting and one of the things that they are doing very strategically and i'm impressed is they are building this facility with the expectation that it'll grow to 100 so they are building it knowing intentionally you mean that they're we want planning? to grow. They're planning wow. and they're doing a really good job <laughs> at it is that. But the folks who will go into the state mental health hospital are not people who are suffering from depression or bipolar disorder that can be addressed through medication and counseling and therapy. These are people who are persistently, chronically mentally ill and probably most likely a danger to themselves or society. And so this will give them, um, will have access here in Wichita instead of they have to go to Larnard. Um, this will give them access to the care that they desperately well, need. You, you, know, you know, the county's doing this, the state's doing this. Yes. But it's 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 a problem for the Wichita Police Department. Absolutely. And the fire department and other services. It and is. other social services, right? Yeah. And so um, that's one of the things, again, that I think the county's doing very well is they're talking to the right people and making sure everybody who does have an impact in this is at the table. What uh, What's the most important uh, issue in your district and on the east side? Or is it the same? That's a great question. Thank you. Some of the things that I'm very excited about is um, District 2 was the fastest growing um, and largest growing district in the, st in the city when we looked at um, our census in 2020. And uh -huh. so when we looked at redistricting, I actually had to lose some of my precincts to other districts so that we could all st maintain around the same size. So we see a lot of retail, we see a lot of restaurant and a lot of residential growth in District 2. So that's great. One of the things that I've been working on for a couple years now is completion of the Redbud Trail. The Redbud, um, the last, there's 30 miles of the Redbud Trail, which is a regionally significant amenity, but the last three miles that aren't complete are in my district, and we finally have a plan to move forward and also some funding streams to be able to make that what happen. What is that? What is the Redbud Trail? The Redbud Trail used to be a rail trail. It used to be a railroad, railroad. trail. Oh, yep. yeah. Okay. And so um, now... We have beautiful expansion of it, and now we will complete the last three miles from Woodlawn to K96. Hiring and retaining good help is challenging local government and business. Absolutely. Uh, beyond wages, <laughs> what could be done about that? You know, that's one of the initiatives also that I've been focusing on, but it's a little different take, is child care reform. Oh, that's, oh, I know about yeah. that. Go ahead. Yeah. I, uh, I, last year, is, I, I was, it was able to champion an ordinance change. Um, for the city of Wichita to help us modernize our ordinance so that we're now in line with the state's ordinance. So that was one step. We have about five, we have about five, 400, 450 home providers and then about 100 center providers. So and the city of Wichita does our child care licensing. We have about 13,000 kiddos that are licensed in licensed child care facilities in the city of Wichita. And we need to make sure that we do everything that we can to have safe and reliable child care so people can go to work. And so now I'm going to be championing in 2024 another ordinance change that needs to be revised so that we can also get in line with the state. Um, I'm proud to say that the National League of Cities just selected Wichita, myself, and another individual, Tanya, with Child Start to serve on a national task force for child care. And so we're working on our plan right now of what we're going to do in Wichita and making sure that we're engaging with community partners, but most importantly, with work sites. So they tell us what they need. Mm. Well, I was, it, you probably already know about this, but we had a news story the other day, and I can't remember 
the company, but it was a fairly large company, that they just said, we're going to have provide health care here in-house. Yeah, child care, absolutely. Child care, I yes. mean child care. More yeah. and more work sites are doing that because, you know, I, and anybody who supervises people knows child care is an issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so wouldn't it be a fantastic way to attract and retain a, a qualified workforce if they knew their kiddos were going to be right there with them during the day and safe? So across the nation, that's a tactic that many employers are using. What do, what do you think about spending, uh, uh, are we spending enough on street and bridge maintenance? Always you know, something that's not very glamorous. We could never there. spend enough, right? <laughs> and I tell people potholes and streets are what I hear the most from District 2, for sure. Um, and so we have a really good plan. We have our outsourced pavement preservation pl- program, and it really helps us. Every street within the city of Wichita has a score. And we don't always just address, we used to years ago just only look at the roads that were the worst. But we've changed our philosophy and we're investing in trying to maintain all of our roads. We have over, you know, 5,000 lane miles within the city of Wichita. And so it, it's a daunting task, but our public works department really does an amazing job. You mentioned a, a, a lot, several things that you're involved in uh, coming up, but anything else that's new and exciting on the horizon? For the city council. Yeah, we have so much going on. Um, one of the most important things I think that's going to be exciting to see in 2024 will be our new water treatment plant. We're in the process now of, you know, we're getting very close to being being done with the actual infrastructure, but then we have the daunting task of the training and testing of the facility. And so uh, we'll have the actual online of it on 2025, but just trying to make sure we get that built up. Also, BNR, which is essentially sewage treatment. Um, We have a lot of work to do with that, and I'm on the steering committee for that project and that process. Between those two, just those two projects is a billion dollars worth of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And then also when you look at North Junction, you look at K96 expansion, and you look at East Kellogg expansion, that's another billion dollars worth of infrastructure. Any city our size or any city really in the nation would be envious to have one of those, and we have all five at the same time. You uh, uh, did you when you were growing up, uh, going to school, whatever. Do you have anybody, a mentor, a teacher, somebody who really influenced you as a person? You know, I did. Um, one of the things that I tell people um, changed my life, and it's it's the truth. I grew up in a very small town in Iowa, as I mentioned, um, and I was asked to join the debate team, which is something that I never thought I would ever be interested in, and I actually really enjoyed it. I'm a first-generation college student. I'm the first person in my family to go to college, even though I'm the youngest child, and the reason I went is that my debate coach encouraged me to seek a debate scholarship to go to college. And it's what helped me pay for college. And so he certainly had an impact in my life. I probably would have not gone to college had he not mentioned it and thought of it as an opportunity and shepherded me through the process. And then different supervisors and colleagues through my very long career. I'm, I'm pretty old. I've been working almost 30 years. Oh, my um, word. Yes. Yeah, oh. So I have lots of people that have touched my <laughs> career and, and yeah. also touched my heart in some you, way. Uh, what gets you excited about going to work in, uh, at the, as a city council member? Everything gets me excited. I actually say sometimes I don't want to go to sleep because there's so many cool things going on in Wichita. You have too much energy. (laughs) But I do recite the same quote every day on my way to work. Oh, you do? If your actions inspire others to dream more, think more, do more, become more, you are a leader. 
And John Quincy Adams said that years and years ago, but I say it every morning. And it's really my guiding of how I'm going to get through my day. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for being with us. If we start this new year, get get to know you. Maybe we'll have you come back. One I of these would days. love that. Thank you for well, the opportunity. Talk, talk some more. That's uh, And again, thank you for your time. Our guest, Wichita City Council member Becky Tuttle, District 2, she represents. That's all for this edition of Issues 2024. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.